Uh, Edmonton Oilers playing pretty well. Yeah. Well, first of all, we talked a lot about music last week, and you just cut off a great song. I know. To, uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> we'll, we can talk about that another time. Uh, yeah. Uh, all of a sudden, they're playing pretty well, eh? Uh, 13 goals for and two against in the last two games, and uh, Connor David is in on nine of those goals. So uh, it's amazing how things can turn so quickly. Uh, it seems like I was just in there. I mean, it was a week ago, but uh, it seems a, uh, more recently than that, and we were – going on and on about how McDavid didn't look right and the Oilers are in deep trouble and on and on, and here we are. And things are much better. So, um, you know, I think a lot of the a lot of it with this team is, is, is so, like, confidence-driven, right? Like, McDavid clearly was, was lacking confidence. Same with, same with you know, Leon Dreisaitl. Um, the team just struggled to produce offensively, and, and that's more, you know, what we've seen in the last two games is a lot more of what this team really is or what they should be. Um, and uh, they, have, they have a very stiff t- test tonight in the, in the Vegas Golden Knights who are very stingy defensively, um, but at least they come into this game feeling a lot better about themselves and, and having some results to show for it. Speaking of confidence and, and, you know, kind of changing the script, Darnell Nurse made two, one brilliant one and another nice one that ended up hitting Hyman and then going to Connor McDavid uh, for a second goal. And outlet passing and, and control of the play in the defensive zone has been an issue for this team. If if they could get that part of their game straightened out, it really does lessen the stress on the defensive side of the puck, both for the goaltender, but really for the skaters as well. Yeah, when you talk about Nurse, I mean, uh, Chris Knobloch said, you know, touched on it after the game on Sunday, that they really want him to be a bit more assertive and they want him to, to you know, use what he's good at, like his body, uh, his, you know, his big body, his long stick, um, being assertive to turn pucks over. And uh, that's the good Darnell Nurse, right? And um, he gets a lot of flack in this uh, in this market. And, and, I mean, that comes with the territory, rightly so, when you've got that, that type of contract. Um, but, uh, you know, when Darnell Nurse is playing at his best, it it's not only benefits the Oilers, but it rubs off on a lot of guys on this team, right? So, uh, I don't think you've seen the best of, of Matias Ekholm yet. Uh, obviously, Evan Bouchard has had his struggles defensively and is, uh, has tried to make up um, – for that offensively in his offensive game, but um, he's a much better defender than he's, that he's shown this year as well. So um, I think, you know, when you look at the coaching change, they're four and th- three under uh, Knobloch, and, you know, they're still working in some new systems. They're still working in um, a new voice in Paul Coffey in addition to his own. And they're also working in, um, you know, Mark Stewart being a bit more prominent, I think. And, and Chris Knobloch talked about the penalty kill and how much um, – Praise he's given to Knobloch in that regard. So um, they've still got a lot of work to do um, on the defensive side of, of the puck. But with somebody like Nurse starting to show, um, you know, the best sides of his game, I think that that bodes well for this team. Daniel Nugent Bowman, our guest from the Athletic on Sports fourteen forty. I wonder about this team. You know, there was a, a sense that they had to make a move and they did not. Uh, they sent Jack Campbell down, but uh, during that really low period, they they stayed the course. Now that things have, have let up a little bit, there's still likely things they want to address uh, before the deadline. What about goaltending? Do you think we see Jack Campbell up here maybe after that long break in early December? I think he'll have to come up at some point unless there's a move. Um, 
Now, I, I mean, he's got to be playing well for that to happen, and he, and he did have a shutout um, last week on Tuesday. Followed that up by allowing three goals. I believe it was 36 or 37 shots against on a 4-2 loss. Um, I don't think we're quite at the point yet where they should feel comfortable enough with Jack Campbell to want to, want to call him up. But he's, unless they make a move, they're going to have to bring him up at some point, providing that he is playing well enough. Um, I don't think the end game here is to have Jack Campbell um, be an, an Oiler long-term. And when I say long-term, I mean past the season. Um, it's going to be hard to address the goaltending situation. We talked about that last week, Al, and, and I, I know lots of people. It's, it's the number one conversation around here. Um, it, it, you know, Campbell's money, the $5 million dollars, uh, on the cap this year and for three more it's not only hard to move him but it's it's tough to get in another goaltender at that you know with him around so um, <laughs> it's going to have to be addressed I think at some point um, and if Campbell is still on this team and I mean on this team in terms of being in this organization I, I, I find it hard to believe that they're that it's going to be anyone other than you know somebody making two million or less to come in and and be able to fit in under the Oilers cap so um ideally they would move Campbell it's a tough ask especially in season uh and then in the offseason we know how challenging that's still going to be in terms of them having to pay um you know prospects and, and picks and and maybe even retain a little bit of money uh but I think that's probably the end game but uh, I, I do see Campbell coming back at some point. Um, I don't think he's a long-term solution uh, in terms of solving their goaltending woes, though. The buyout's the thing, right? Like next summer, because you're, you're, they don't have enough assets, and they're going to be, I'm going to talk about it in a minute, but they're going to be moving assets uh, in trade here uh, leading up to and at the deadline. I think the buyout is the only reasonable thing for Campbell, especially considering the Connor Brown bonus. Yeah, almost certainly, and that's a tough pill to swallow for six years. Like, uh, you know, it doubles the, the the term, and he's got three more years on the contract. But you're right. I mean, look at the farm system; it's it's pretty barren. Uh, they gave up their first last year, um, and their one of their better prospects in Reed Schaefer uh, to necessitate the or to to make the. Um, at Matias Ekholm trade and nobody's, you know, especially what Matias Ekholm did last season and what they, you know, the expectations are for him. Um, I don't think anyone's looking at that as a bad trade by any means. Uh, that was a, a, you know, welcome trade for this organization. Um, but it did further strip the, the um, you know, the wallpaper off the wall, I guess. And uh, things are running pretty bare. And um, you're right. I mean, you know, you look at where they are now, and I touched on this in a piece uh, the other day, they should still make the playoffs. It's not looking particularly great or anywhere where, um, you know, things should have been at this point, but the bottom half of the, of the conference is so bad uh, that they should be able to get in. And given where this team is in terms of uh, players, uh, you know, their ages, you look at guys, a lot of guys getting to being 30 or over 30. And of course, Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid, where they are in their contracts. I, I think you got to, get that first round pick and play and um you wrote i know al about uh, philip broberg i don't know what his value is around the league but he's kind of like the top prospect and and i don't know uh how you 
where again where his where his value is but he'd be a guy that i would think to your point would would be in play and um you take out a first round pick you take out broberg just spitballing here but man there's not a lot left and that leaves uh not a lot left to your point of giving another team to get to take on campbell's contract so never say never i think that would be probably preferred than having a guy on the books for six years but uh, I think the buyout is, is is the most likely outcome, given um, you know where where uh, where the prospect pool is and 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 the type of future assets that this organization has. Low down with low tide, our guest Daniel Nugent Bowman uh, from the Athletic. Okay, so I I mentioned this last hour. I look at this team, and you know people are saying, well, they have no chance to win the Stanley Cup. But if you could add, uh, you know, Ivan Barbashev type, the Vegas did that last spring at the deadline. Chris Tanev, who might be available, uh, say Daniel Vladar, who played well for Calgary. Things can change, but but to your point that you mentioned a minute ago about how spare it is, uh, sparse it is in the in the prospect covered, and you know they have twenty twenty four and twenty. 24 first and second round pick and a 2025 first but you know how much can you get done those are three significant pieces that i just mentioned i don't think you can do all three uh could you do two it'd be challenging it's not only the the prospect uh cupboard uh being fairly bare and 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 assets and whatnot it's also the salary cap too i mean (laughs) they've been up against it obviously uh, playing with a 21-man man roster for a lot of the year um, with injuries, having to play shorthanded a couple times. Now they've been in LTIR for a little bit. They're not accruing space. Um, really, they got to move somebody off. I think they have to move somebody off off this team to bring in uh, pieces. And, um, you know, I mentioned this a lot of times. They've got a lot of guys under contract with either no, no trade or no movement clauses making $5 million plus. So that really leaves, in terms of a shakeup, there's three guys that I keep looking at, and it's, it's Warren Fogle, it's Cody Cece, and, and it's Brett Kulak. So how, I mean, uh, Cece's been pretty good this year. He's arguably, arguably been their most consistent defenseman. Warren Fogle, you know, has, has maybe regressed a little bit in terms of the production, but early in the year was one of their better forwards anyway. Um, Brett Kulak, yeah, as a, as a third-pairing defenseman, but with um, with two more years left on a contract that pays him $2.75 million, and it's never really been a guy that's really, for any sustained period of time, been a top-four guy. You know, you're either getting rid of two guys that are very, very useful or, or even important, or... You know, I don't I don't know what the market would be for, for somebody like Brett Kulak. So that, all of that is to say... I don't know how they they, they make a move. I, I don't know how they um, how how they get rid of some of these guys and, and their salaries to open up space to add a, a significant player. So I think that's um, that's a, a, a kind of a, an area that that Ken Holland and, and I'm sure the management staff are looking at in terms of how we how we make this move, but. Um, they do need to get better. I think they will make some kind of move before the trade deadline. But when you're looking at two and three moves, like you're, you're maybe suggest, suggesting or, or maybe hoping for for the Oilers, uh, I, I see that as being a big challenge for this team. So if I was a bad man, I'd say, Corey Perry, go. But I won't. I'll say uh, the Chicago Blackhawks uh, terminating 
Perry's contract today, and we'll see whether or not the NHLPA steps in. It may not be uh, cut and dried. It looks like right now it is, but we don't know for sure. Um, Perry, as a hockey player, still appears to have something left. Ken Holland uh, sh- has shown a fondness for for players. I'm sure he views Perry as mid-career at this point, but do is that is that maybe just in terms of style a fit you could see for the Oilers and Corey Perry if he were to sign here? Well, in terms of style, like, I think they need some more jam sandpaper. This is my, you know, I, I'm more uh, inclined to uh, look at guys and, and and kind of the at least some of the analytical uh, perspective and slant that they bring. Uh, and, and the bottom six, you know, in terms of their driving play, has been not bad. But they do need a little bit more production. They do need a little bit more, you know, <laughs> t- uh, toughness. I think in the bottom six. Um, they need somebody that can play it. They need somebody to, to you know, in my opinion, without off-ice baggage as well. Whether or not they go that route is another um, another thing. I mean, Ken Holland has shown throughout his career that he's been okay with bringing in guys that have a little bit of baggage. Uh, Vander Kane was obviously one. Uh, they brought in Jake Vertanen uh, into camp last season um, on a PTO and, and let him stay pretty close to the very end before it was uh, pretty clear that he wasn't going to be much help to this hockey team. So, um, you know, as long as things check out, uh, Ken Holland's track record is to, to uh, you know, look look very carefully at those guys. So, um, we obviously, we don't know all the specifics here with, with Corey Perry, but, you know, the statement that the Chicago Blackhawks put out is quite damning. We'll, we'll see if he has anything to say or, or to your point, the PA. Um, but that type of player, anyway, I don't know if, where Corey Perry stands uh, right now within the Oilers organization or the league, but that type of player would be somebody um, that they can use. Um, ideally making, I, I can't remember exactly what Perry, uh, Perry rather his cap hit uh, 4 million. was or is. Yeah. yeah uh, I knew it was high. I think they'd be looking, especially if the player is going to be in the bottom six, uh, somebody making, you know, about a quarter of that. Now, uh, obviously, teams and the Oilers weren't in LTIR. They were accruing space. They're not now. Uh, they don't really have a lot of flexibility. Um, I think I think the price tag um, providing you know his contract isn't terminated, uh, which the Blackhawks uh, are hoping that are going to try to get it terminated. Uh, I think the the contract would be a little high if the Oilers could sign him uh, or somebody like him, you know, at a million or less. You know, we might be talking a different story. So, you know, we'll, we'll see on that. So last time we talked when you were in the studio, I really enjoyed that. We talked about, you know, the the most bizarre, unusual, you know, years you've had, and this being one of them. And you mentioned the the Shirelli year uh, um, and, and, you know, what went down with the Manning trade and all that. Um, So is this different now again? Because it appears as though they the pressure point was reached. They fired the coach and and there does seem to be some liftoff bounce here. Uh, or is it still too early to tell, you know, in terms of this being a different script being written? A little early, but it still has been a pretty weird year. I think any Oilers fan would look at it. It's hard It's hard to uh, think any, any way else. I mean, yeah, Jay Woodcross' name was, you know, in terms of betting uh, lines and, and odds and all that. His name seemed to be pretty high up in terms of, first uh coach fired and i always looked at that and said are you are you kidding me i mean uh look at the track record seemed to have the respect of a lot of the players team was uh picked by many to be a cup contender and i think that last point really uh was the the main reason it really kind of was driven home i mean i i couldn't have seen a situation 
during the season where Jay Woodcroft was was fired and he lasted 12, 13 games. Um, so that right there is very odd. And then you look at, you know, coming into the season with a lot of guys being banged up or injured, Ryan McLeod, um, and Connor Brown with his injury from the previous uh, previous year, Matias Ekholm, um, and and the last thing you expected to see was was struggles from Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl. Um, Goaltending was always going to be a bit of an, an issue, but nobody saw it being to that level. There's just a lot of things that uh, early in the year were, were very odd with this team. Um, I think they're starting to work through it. Um, you know, last couple of games have shown that, but I think we're still pretty early. I mean, the record is is, is quite poor. Uh, it's it's you know, I, it, they they have a long ways to go before they can um, even with the the conference being as bad as it is. At the bottom end, that is. Um, I, I think they've got a long way to go before we can we can really say that the script has been changed. And uh, there's some some good signs, but uh, again, a long way to go. Final one for you, Daniel. Uh, you and I are in Vegas. We flew down there on Sunday. Uh, I've been sleeping regularly. Uh, you're on no sleep. We're now looking at betting on Jay Woodcroft getting an NHL job as a head coach between now and the end of this season. Where are you going and how much are you putting down on it? Huh, this trip sounds intriguing. I, I, it sounds like I brought my kids, though, because uh, <laughs> no sleep thing. Um, <laughs> so uh, where is he going? Jeez, oh, I don't know. Um, quite quite honestly, I, I know his name kind of like popped up a couple times with Ottawa. I don't know what his relationship is with, with Steve Stales. I, I, I quite frankly, I don't, I don't know. Um, so, I mean, that, that could be, uh, you know, a possibility. Everyone has seen uh, DJ Smith's name out there a gazillion times and, and Ottawa fans. If we were up to Ottawa fans, he'd, he'd have been fired a long time ago, obviously. So, um, you know, that in terms of just looking at vacancies, um, that one kind of pops up or pops to mind rather. Um, I'm just trying to go quickly through my head a little bit here. Um, I, I, I'm not sure what other, um, ones are, are kind of front of mind, um, in terms of guys that might be fired soon or any of that type of thing. So we've seen in this game so often that it's like not only what, you know, but who, you know, and, Mm -hmm. uh, um, you know, with with a guy like Woodcroft, obviously he's he's been around. He's been a few places. He's got a lot of uh, connections in the in the league. Um, you would think his next job would be a, a head coaching job, just given the success that he had in Edmonton. But you never know. Um, could he have to go back to the minors again? Would he have to? Would he be an assistant coach again and uh, um, be like the guy, kind of quote unquote, and waiting on a staff? Um, it's very hard to know. Uh, again, Ottawa's the one that kind of just pop, keeps popping to mind, but um, I wouldn't put a lot of money on it if, if, if we're going back to our Vegas trip here now, just because coaching, is, it, it's so hard to know. Like, it, it really is, and it's um, it's uh, he needs, uh, you know, the right position to kind of pop available, and, and he needs uh, somebody kind of in his corner, corner rather, to... Um, give him the job so uh, as good of a coach as I, I do think Jay Woodcroft is and as, as much success as he has in it has had and did have rather in Edmonton um, pick kind of uh, 
uh, trying to find uh, the next job for him is a fool's errand in my, in my books. Daniel, thank you. Appreciate it.